0: Oh, well, it's another day, and once again, the narrative from the officials that think they know everything about a virus has changed again. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. I fully recognize there are a lot of you that do not fully agree with all of the commentary I've made about the coronavirus and the treatments and the vaccine during the past year, and that's okay. You are entitled to your own opinions. And some of you may not agree with some of my assessment about the 2020 election and other issues. That's fine, too. I try my best every day to go through the news and try to distill it, go to the core and try to f- just share with you what is what is true and what is right. And let me tell you, it, it becomes a more difficult job every every day trying to find accurate sources. There are some strange sources out there that, that share some really weird news items. They, they're tempting to share, but there's that part of my heart that says, don't share it because it's not true. And that's the whole point of this program. I'm trying to help you and I find the truth and all the noise that is out there. Well, in the past, I don't know, one or two months, We've had this change of narrative when it comes to the coronavirus, COVID-19, people getting sick, vaccines, and everything else. It's a changing landscape. And so much of what we talked about and some of my guests talked about in back in December, January, February, and March of this year, so much of what we talked about then is now coming true. And I, I can remember people telling me back in February and March that this vaccine would be our savior. If everybody got it, the virus would just disappear overnight because nobody would get it and then nobody could spread it. And we came out and said back in, in April and May of this year that there is no proof that the virus can be stopped by this vaccine. In other words, we made the statement, then. here's a vaccine experimental in use, new technology never deployed for a coronavirus being given to hundreds of millions of human beings across the face of the earth with no clue on what the long-term effects are going to be. We heard all these marvelous claims at the end of November of last year and maybe into, into December. These would be ninety-five percent effective. And with if everybody took the the injections, we'd have this thing over in no time. We were promised it would all be over and gone by the fourth of July. Well, what's happened? I've talked to a number of doctor friends, and I do have people that are medical doctor friends that know their business. They have upwards of 40 plus years experience. And everyone I've ever talked to, and it's amazing how the media doesn't want you to hear everything about that would help you in making some determinations for yourself. Everyone that I've spoken to has shared the same thing that they learned back in medical school and is still being taught. A virus over time will mutate, period. That's what a virus does. They don't stay the same forever, they mutate. That's a normal function of a virus. And and why we why we ignore that is beyond comprehension. Also, as a virus mutates, as a general rule. They may become more contagious, but they become less lethal, their symptoms are less, and the damage they do to society is weakened. That's another truism that most of the media does not want to share with you. For whatever reason, that seems to be hidden from view. Though that's what's been taught in medical schools for the last, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 years. And that's strictly by observation. So to have this new variant, the Delta variant, and who knows what other variants may come out, is no surprise. I talked to a doctor friend of mine, lives out West, who went through having COVID-19 last year. And it's like he said, I wish I could have waited uh, till the Delta variant came to have it because he had a rough ride. He is very asthmatic and has some other underlying conditions. And he said it was a much difficult, more difficult ride for him. And he said, now I'm treating patients, now that they claim this is the Delta variant, who are not nearly as symptomatic as what we saw six, seven, eight months ago, are recovering much more rapidly. And those, the death rate has dropped like a rock from what it was just six, seven months ago. But here we are. With the CDC, Dr. Fauci and company, changing the narrative again. It's like in the middle of the night, they pick up the goalpost in the football stadium and they carry him off to another town, let alone somewhere else in the field. And so we have witnessed before our very eyes this never-ending change of narrative again. Two weeks ago, if we take the vaccine COVID-19 will simply go away. You don't you remember you remember President Biden here in the United States saying not that many weeks ago, either take the vaccine or wear a mask. You hear that? Either get the vaccine or you must wear a mask because you're going to be some kind of a spreader. Now we're finding out that people that have taken the vaccine are coming down with COVID. Period. And the media doesn't want to really discuss that too much. They want to call it a breakthrough, uh, some rarity. Let's look around some statistics that are out there from around the world. Sometimes I think we're a little bit less than honest at the CDC and the NIH. You know, with Dr. Fauci, I think there's a lack of honesty coming out of the White House, a lack of honesty in the media. And social media. Look at a country, look at a country like Israel. The Pfizer vaccine has been very prominent there, like it is in the United States or Moderna. And they figure what 60 some odd percent of the population of Israel has been fully vaccinated. Now, when you look at those that are in the hospital. 67% of those that are in the hospital with any kind of a COVID-19 symptom has been fully vaccinated. That line that that, that uh, President Biden gave, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated ends up being a a lie. It's not even true. The CDC is having a hard time trying to give you the message that the vaccine is really not working. It's not doing what they promised it would do, but they're trying to keep the dream alive and get everybody to, you know, get the jab today. Hurry and get it while you can still get it. Here are some of the things we've learned. As I read all these news stories and try to find that bit of truth and ask some questions, obviously. This virus, like any other virus, is mutating. It is changing. And like I say, history has shown that as a virus mutates, it can become more contagious, but it becomes vastly less lethal. This is just, this is medicine uh, 101, I guess. And I've heard this from several different doctors that have a respectable reputation. So I'm not going to say they're wrong because I can't, I don't have a medical background, but I'm going to listen to those that have been dealing with this on a day-by-day basis. And I'm no longer going to pay any attention to frauds like Fauci because he has changed his narrative literally by the week. What he said last month is not what he said the month before, the month before that, the month before that. When the narrative has changed 30, 40, or 50 times in the course of a year, Why listen? It's like the boy that cried wolf, and that's Fauci. He's cried wolf one too many times. Once again, you got to remember that Dr. Anthony Fauci has essentially been a bureaucrat. And until last year, nobody in the United States really ever heard of him. He lived in a little circle of his own doctor friends in his own little world. Playing with coronaviruses, it appears now, for the last 20 some odd years. Really, probably longer than that. He was looking at the coronavirus in the 1990s as a vector, as they call it, to create a vaccine for AIDS. And so they have been playing gain of function research. They lied about that too, even after the ban in 2014. Hey, just give the money to the Eco Health Alliance, they'll send the money to China. And our research continues with Dr. Barrick at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. We'll just get them to do it in China so we don't have dirty hands or break the law. But they were funding it. It is U.S. taxpayer money that's been funding this. And so those that created this man-made virus, and I don't care how you, you can claim all day long it came from an old bat somewhere in a cave but too many people that know their stuff are saying that cannot be true. The normal progression as a virus changes, this would not happen the way this has happened in one step. It had to be modified. Now, whether the release of the virus was intentional, whether it was by accident, is not even. I'm not. I'm not going to worry about that right now. I am going to say it is out there, and nations and organizations and political parties have used this virus as an excuse to do some very despicable things to their population. We're already talking about mask mandates again. And what what really blows my mind, and I've talked to enough people that know their stuff that have shown me where to find studies on the effectiveness of a mask in the face of a virus. And the studies for over 40 some odd consistent years show that it doesn't do any good. It doesn't protect you. And most people that wear a mask really believe, like somebody I was reading about said, well, I need to put my mask on now that we have this variant out there. And the question is, why Why do you need to wear a mask? Are you sick? Oh, no, I just wanted, I just don't want to get it. People are believing that a mask protects them. We know it doesn't. When you look at those that ended up in the hospital, well, the majority of them were regular mask wearers. In other words, it never did protect them from getting it. And there's not that much evidence that is even statistically relevant on a mask keeping you from spreading it to somebody else. Research did come out. It is out there showing a mask is useless. But we want to put them on our little kids to send them to school, deprive them of oxygen. All these things just, it's incredible. Now we're talking about we need to rush vaccinations and we need to put our mask back on. And maybe as we hit the fall, it's going to be lockdowns round two or round three, whatever the case may be depending on what state you're in, to be round three. So get ready. Get ready to watch businesses go under. Get ready to see many places have to close. Get ready to watch the economy tank again. Get ready to watch people working from home. Get ready for another year of kids trying to learn at home with less than quality teaching online. In other words, get ready for another round of garbage, foolishness, and insanity. I'm getting to the point that I'm really looking at those alternatives. There are, doc- there are doctors out there, so many of them. Credible. Dr. Peter McAuliffe is one. There's one guy that I'm trying to remember, Dr. Vernon. And he worked 400 and some odd straight days in dealing with coronavirus as at the head of an emergency room in Texas. And he has put together a protocol that significantly reduces, this is for people that are ending up in the hospital when they should have been treated long before. And this is another problem with this virus. And I've run into this with two individuals that I know. With two individuals that I know, they waited too long to treat the increasing symptoms. They kept thinking they can just ride it out. And had they received early treatment, especially the protocols that are being put out by many of the frontline doctors, well, they would have been in good stead in a short amount of time. Instead, I had two friends come really close to being in major trouble because they waited too long to seek any treatment. What has the treatment been? We saw it last year. Oh, you have COVID. COVID. Yes, I know you're coughing, I know you have a fever, but go home and isolate and and if you're on, you know, death's door, then I guess you'll have to come to the hospital. In other words, we never treated it early on. We waited till it got too bad for some people and then they finally show up at the emergency room, and in many cases it was too late because they had issues occurring because of comorbidities and everything else that it made it much more difficult to deal with healing of that virus in the body. One of the things, and I'm not going to talk anymore, I'm going to finish up on the virus with this. These vaccines that appeared so rapidly last year, they've really been on the drawing board for many years. This was not something done In a short amount of time. Why this obsession with getting everybody vaccinated for this virus to me is just unprecedented. I said the other day that I had at least seven people that I know that had the coronavirus and they're alive and well today and doing fine. And they don't need the vaccine because they now have built-in immunity for themselves. And we are also learning that the vaccine can actually hinder somebody that already has the protection. So why this insanity to make everybody that's even had COVID get this idiotic vaccine? That is not a vaccine. Why do you want the body producing spike proteins? That's what it does. These mRNA. And now we're beginning to see that some of these things fade away and we're seeing another issue develop. You know, the enhanced immune system deficiency. And, and this is causing issues for people that have had the vaccine. As it fades away, they become more susceptible to getting COVID-19 or the variants than if they didn't have it to begin with. So there's this strange obsession out there that makes no sense. And nobody wants to give a straight answer. It's just trust us, take the vaccine, and shut up. Take it or put a mask on. Take it or you can't go here, there, or yonder. I'm going to start switching gears. And I want to share something that really concerns me. This goes hand in hand with the lockdown and the control of your life. We got to a point last year that if you wanted to go shop in the stores they allowed to be open and notice the government decided who was essential and who was not essential, who was going to be in business and who was going to be put out of business. Foolishly, arbitrarily. And it was always done by people in government who were never losing their paycheck, period. Everybody in emergency management I ever knew Everybody in economic development in a county or city or state, they kept their job and their benefits and their paycheck. They got to work from home in their pajamas and sit in front of their computer for how many hours a day doing who knows what. Those are the ones that were deciding that you're not essential. So your barbershop can close down. You can go broke. Your restaurant is unessential. You can go broke, go bankrupt. We don't care. Here's $1,200. Here's another $600. That ought to take care of the 18 months that you lost. Incredibly naive and stupid. Of course, that's what most government is, incredibly naive and stupid. They get so entrenched in their own power, they've lost all common sense all too often. Look at the city of Portland, look at Chicago, look at any of those places. They're bankrupt mentally, spiritually, and financially now, too. They simply don't get it. But notice how many people were compliant to be controlled. You can't go to church. You can only have 10 people in your church. Even if your church seats 1,000, you can only have 10 people. These are the kind of ridiculous and arbitrary rules that were put out last year. And I'm afraid we're heading back to it again under the guise of the terrible Delta variant and some other variant that will come by. And we're going to be, number one, if you notice that all they talk about these days are rising case numbers. Where's the CNN death ticker? It's not there because they're really not rising. And where's the information about those that have passed away? I'm not minimizing anybody's death. Believe me, I'm not. But I'm saying if you're 84 and you have COPD, there are a lot of things that can cause your life to come to an end and COVID just being one small thing on a long list. We're not being told the truth. I did a little study on a couple of counties where I have access to a lot of the dashboard information. I'm going to say this much. Looking at the population of one county and understanding that 8.3 point something percent, 8.3 per thousand people will die in the course of a year from all causes. That's just how it is. And it goes up and down just a little bit. Kind of like it oscillates a little up, a little down, a little up, a little down year by year. But it it averages out 8.3 per thousand in, in most areas in the United States particularly that county that I was looking at. As I looked at all of 2020, it comes out 8.3 per thousand. Again, it didn't change. So we made all this noise about something that may not even be true. But notice the lockdowns, notice the bankruptcies, notice the government dependency, notice how many people put on their face mask and walk around in fear. I see people driving cars with gloves and a face mask. I still see it. In some places, that kind of fear has been pushed by social media, the mainstream media and politically corrupt government and fools like Fauci that can't even come up with a narrative that sticks or makes any sense. It keeps changing. But there's something else that's going to be ushered in because of this. This goes back to a very recent survey early this year. This is a survey by the Bank of International Settlement, and they found that 86% of central banks are researching a potential central bank digital currency, a digital currency. 60% are experimenting with this technology, 14% have already deployed pilot projects. These technologies promise a more secure and efficient world, so they say and open opportunities for the estimated 2 billion people worldwide who currently cannot access financial services. Yet, in doing so, they offer the banks total control of your money. Digital currencies would allow government to track every cent that flows through the financial system from businesses to the digital wallets of you and I. Now, let's go back to October of last year. The International Monetary Fund hosted a discussion to explore what role central bank digital currencies will play in facilitating cross-border payments. In the discussion, they had this thing, cross-border payments, a vision for the future. The general manager for the Bank of International Settlement explained a key difference between this digital currency and cash now listen to this carefully and this is an alarming statement to me this is this is fauciism in many ways control 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 here's what he says we don't know who's using a 100 dollar bill today or a 1000 peso bill in other words the bank is upset they don't know who's using cash then they're not they don't like it the key difference is this digital currency is the central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of your money, where you can spend it, who can receive it. The technology will there be there to enforce it as well. Now, this is a statement from a guy who plays a key role in guiding the development of global monetary policy. Do you understand what's going on here? I started seeing it again in stores. We, we saw signs last year. There's a change shortage. We don't have coins. So please use your, your debit card or your credit card and be prepared not to get all your change back because we don't have any. Let me give you an example of what this control means. If an advanced economy issues a digital currency and somebody in another currency wants to use it, that individual would need to get the consent of his nation's central bank. In other words, the degree of control will be far bigger than we have now. And, and these clowns call it good news because now we can decide where you can spend your money. This, this also goes to the idea of a basic income for everybody, um, I've heard from these same banks the idea that maybe we should have currency that expires. So you just can't save money. You have to live day by day. And this goes to the global reset of you will own nothing and be happy. You'll have an income that you can spend on renting your phone, your place to live. You can buy your food, and you can only buy things from approved places. In other words, they want to know what you're doing with your money. Go back to September 11th, 2001. Policymakers and you know people in academia and they, and the financial sector were abruptly exposed to you know shady channels of terror financing, and that, so this is going to be one of the excuses. Also, cash can carry a virus. You're going to hear all of this stuff. This is systematic to bring us to a one-world system. This, my friends, is the beginning of the mark of the beast. Now, whether it comes tomorrow, next year, or a hundred years from now remains to be seen. At the rate things have been going, it would not surprise me if it comes sooner rather than later. That's why we as Christians need to begin to think in terms of how how do we function? I know a lot of folk are listening saying, well, we don't have to worry about that. We have the rapture. We get out of here free. Tell that to the Christians that have been martyred over the last 2,000 years that have gone through extreme persecution, tribulation, and gave their life for the, for the cause of Christ. We have a lazy, ineffective church that gathers in their four little walls, or at least prior to the pandemic, and it's all about what they do inside, very little about what they do outside of the church or their club. And many churches became nothing but a Bible club, And they're not even really studying the Bible. They argue their theological opinions. And they worry about, you know, who's going to vacuum the church next week. Instead of worrying about the cause of Christ. And this is what angers me and worries me and troubles me. We have an ineffective church, just a remnant. How many churches were willing to, you know, close their doors to be safe? While the Walmart stayed open, the liquor stores stayed open, a lot of places. In one area, did you realize that, um, shall we say, the bars with uh, naked women, they were considered essential, but churches were not? In other words, you could go to the to the bar where women strip down and take their clothes off, but you couldn't go to church in a few places in this country. That's a fact. Does the idea of an absolute control over your money seem far-fetched? doesn't to me. In this age of cancel culture, COVID-19 insanity, we can expect plenty of assurances from from the banks that this is all for our health and our safety, to avoid tax cheats and money launderers and terrorists, but it can also restrict where you can spend your money in time. You watch in time. One by one, things will be cut off. Imagine if you have just a digital currency and if you want to support this radio program. That may not be possible someday because this may not be an approved place to spend your money or write a check because it's going to be digital. Today's news outlets write more and more that match the prophecies given in the Bible. And I have to wonder, Revelation 13, 17, no man may buy or sell save he had that mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I'm telling you, we're moving in that direction. COVID-19, digital currency, cancel culture are just pieces of the puzzle that are gradually coming together. I told my wife the other night, I think we're running out of time and we need to stop talking and start doing. Now, I'll share a few more thoughts on the other side of the break that I've got something that I want to share to change topic to give you hope. If you believe in what we're doing here at Truth to Ponder, remember, this is the end of July. We begin August as we start our new broadcast on Monday and we have some bills to pay next week. And if you can help us so we can get through the month, um, I'd appreciate it. Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. And we are in Sky Valley, Georgia. Sky Valley, Georgia. And the zip code is 30537.
1: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. On the Road with Messiah. Shalom alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen ready as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in Luke 4, Messiah is ministering in Galilee, and the people want to keep him there, sharing the word, healing the blind, making the crippled walk. But this is what he tells them. He says, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For I was sent for this purpose. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities. This little response is filled with so much. See, Messiah is saying, in effect, I have to move on. I have to be moving on. And so if Messiah says, I have to move on, then what must you say? Well, if you're following Messiah and he's moving on, then how can you follow him if you don't move on? In fact, it's one of the greatest ways to grow dead in your walk. You simply stop following. You just stay where you are. You stop moving. You stop journeying. You stop stepping out in faith. You stop moving ahead. How can you follow if you're not following? Messiah is always moving on. And if you're his follower, it's simple. So must you. Have you been stuck in the same place, my friend, in in a rut, dwelling in the past, stuck in anger, pondering what you once had in your life, but you lost it? Get over it. Move on already. The Lord's not staying in it and neither should you. Move on with your life. Step out in faith. Get on with it already. Step out and go already. The Lord is moving on. So you want the continuing presence and joy of the Lord in your life? Then you have to move on with the Lord because moving on is the only way to go when you're going with the moving on Lord. Want more? Ask for the other cities. Now the free gift for you, from the sands of Judea to the wings of the cherubim, The awesome, long-hidden mystery now revealed. The mystery of the temple doors, you'll love it. And Sapphire is guaranteed to bless your socks off. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed. But call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me, together bringing salvation to God's chosen people, Israel, and to the unreached peoples of all nations of five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write to me. I'd love to hear from you. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi. New Jersey, 76 Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, and Messiah Ravinu, our teacher.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to part two of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I think next week we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how all of these things are coming together in prophecy for the time in which we are living. I think it's important. But right now, I think we need to also talk about other aspects of our Christian lives. I had the privilege a few years ago of preaching at a church And I shared a message on how we as Christians oftentimes misunderstand the word love, how it is misused by churches, how we misuse it in our daily lives. And I hope the message I'm about to share with you from a few years ago will have meaning for you today in your Christian walk. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share from your word what you would have us understand and comprehend today. I pray that you'll open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you have gone to A wedding. A wedding of somebody that doesn't normally go to church on a regular basis, if at all. But somehow the wedding is being done by some kind of a clergyman, maybe at a beach, maybe at a ballroom, maybe in a chapel. And they always have their favorite Bible passage to read before they get deeply into the service. How many of you have been to those kind of weddings? It's kind of like the baptism to make the grandparents happy. You know, their kids never go to church. They have no intention of going to church. They're not going to ever ask their child to go to church. They're not going to take them to church, but to stay in the will, we'll get the kid baptized at the church. I recently saw that happen a couple of weeks ago. Big party, all these people at a church. But they won't be back. And I'm thinking of the mockery they'll make of the baptismal vow. The sponsors, yes, I'll make sure that they're raised in in the truth of God's word. No, they're not. You're just doing this to make grandma and grandpa happy. I think of the beach wedding. I'll admit, many years ago, I was asked to do a couple of weddings on the west coast of Florida for family. And inevitably, these poorly schooled and unchurched 20 something year olds always want you, we want that passage of St. Paul about love. We heard it today, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. From the King James Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels And I have not charity I'm as a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal Of course Everybody likes the NIV version So we ensure that we are saying We have love And every time I've done a wedding like that For some parishioner For their kids or grandkids And they're reading that thing I'm standing there by a beachside Wanting to throw up I'm Sorry I just feel like I'm waiting for the Beatles to break out with. All you need is love. St. Paul has a lot to say in chapter 13 that goes beyond the understanding of God's love for us. St. Paul is making clear that love, as God has ordained it, as God has given it to us, if we don't have it, we really have nothing. There we are, the, the sounding brass. If we have all this knowledge, all this education, even prophecy, but we don't have the love of God, we still have nothing. We could give everything up, but if we really don't have the love of God, you know, sometimes giving up stuff is easier than getting your hands dirty in the fight. Where you love somebody enough to make sure they have the opportunity of knowing God's Word. Yet, all these young married couples that would come to be married all want this chapter read because it's all about love bears all things, it hopes all things, endures all things, it never fails. And it talks about, and everybody looks at love in the most superficial way. I remember years ago, learning in a catechism class at a young age, that there are like seven different words for love in the Bible, and each has a distinct characteristic. In the English language, we just have this one word fits all. And sometimes we lose sight of what the word really means In the context that it is given. I love French fries. But that is different than loving your neighbor. And we sometimes in our culture have redefined or even cheapened the meaning of the word. As given. Married love is a type of love. The love for your children is a very protective love. The love of your pet, the love of dessert, is a different type of love. And the love of God trumps all. This is what St. Paul is talking about, this love we have that God has for us that then Becomes a part of us that changes us, that gives us a new character, that gives us a new understanding. This is the love that St. Paul is talking about, not boyfriend, girlfriend love as we found in high school. It's far deeper. But St. Paul has a lot more to say after he has told us about this love. He then reminds us of something to put it in perspective. That's where we never read at that wedding the next part. The part that actually ties it together. What does St. Paul say? When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child... But when I became a man, I put away childish things. A couple of contexts to put that in. Young Christians are just learning. St. Paul even uses the analogy of the child when it comes to being a young Christian. We start out on the milk of God's word. We're not ready to chew the steak. We have to grow in faith as we learn more and more. The problem today, and I'm seeing it more and more than I ever have in the last 25 years. When I look at young people today, and I'm not disparaging them, I'm disparaging the institutions and some of the families and how they are raised, are being left to being perpetual children. They're never growing up, they're never taking on the responsibility, they're never going to understand what St. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, and I acted like a child, but when I got to a certain point, time to put away the childish things. For some reason, we have this Arrested Development Syndrome that has been institutionalized, We have a lot of young, I was thinking the other day, and I'm not bragging on myself if you're anywhere near my age. I graduated high school when I was 17 years old. I was not quite 18. That summer, after I graduated, I worked literally seven days a week, plowing away as much money as I could because come the end of August, I'm hopping in my little Opal Cadet with all my worldly belongings, and I'm heading out into the world to pay for my own schooling, getting a job, and living in another state. Didn't think twice about it. Just did it. I look at some 17-year-olds today, they're afraid of graduating high school. What am I going to do now? They're ill-prepared. They become dependent. What St. Paul is reminding us, and this is what ties the love together that I'm about to get to. He's saying we have to grow up, we have to learn. Then suddenly, this love of God becomes a useful tool for his kingdom and for us. It really does as we grow up and we begin to see what God has done for us, then all of a sudden, the love of God in our life makes absolute sense. It's not abstract anymore. Many churches today that call themselves churches have built themselves on superficial things. They talk about love and what feels good to us, what makes us happy. They have emulated a lot of the world in order to attract a lot of people. But if the leader fails, the church goes into a tailspin, that local church. I've seen it happen over and over again. church of four, five, six thousand people. Then the pastor is caught having an affair. And 6,000 people becomes 2,000 in two weeks. Now they can't pay the mortgage. And many of the people in the church love the songs about me and how I feel. And they'll come home and say, I really didn't get anything out of church today. I don't know if I want to go back next week. Funny thing is, church is not about us. It's about our worship toward God, what we give to him. This is his hour, not ours. Out of 168 hours in the course of the week, this is the one hour. We get the other 167. Where's the hour for him? Where is our love back to him for the love he gave us in his son on the cross? It's not all about us. One of my favorite little Facebook memes is the one that shows the first narcissistic church where it's all about me. Sunday service if we feel like it. Love that sign. And that's where a lot of people are in the church today. Over the years, as we have taken the sovereignty of an almighty God out of our culture any restaurant on a Sunday morning and you'll notice how many people will not be going to church today have not been to church and they're not Roman Catholic where they went last night you can tell you see and I saw this up in Georgia one time early on a Sunday morning I was having a quick bite before I had to speak and I'm there and I see this father sitting at a table with two children No wife there. And you knew this was his weekend. And all three have got their face in the phone. Not talking to each other at all. That's how his weekend is spent. Each in their own virtual world. And I'm looking at these kids and wondering, will they ever grow up? Will they ever get out of the virtual world that they're in today Will the Father have that love as St. Paul is talking about? The real love of God that sometimes chastises but always undergirds, that carries us in the difficult times of life. We have a hard road ahead as a traditional church body. But here's the good news. As many of the mainline churches have just consistently walked away from the faith, and other churches try to emulate more the things of the world to attract people, I'm starting to find people in their teens and 20s that are looking at the virtual world in which they're living, and they got to go, there's got to be something deeper than all this. We have that faith. We have that faith. We have the good news, and we have the message. St. Paul concludes the chapter with these two verses. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know even as I am known. St. Paul says we have a job to do here. We may not understand all the nuances. We may not have all the details quite figured out because it's hard for us to comprehend this love of God. But when that day comes and the race is done, then we'll know fully. And then he concludes, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, or love, These are the three most important things, but the greatest of the three is that charity of God, that love of God. I have a hard time comprehending this deep love that Jesus has for me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've looked at all the gifts and opportunities he's given me in spite of myself. And I'm learning, as an old hymn said, to love him more each day. Because as I grow up in the knowledge of the faith, the easier it is to understand and receive the love he has for us. We have a lot of work ahead of us in a very changing world that is increasingly hostile to what we hold dear. We need to learn that love that's the most important thing, the true love of God, not the superficial love of the world, the love of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that I've been able to share from your word. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we begin to understand the depth of the love that came in the form of your Son, Jesus Christ that we begin to comprehend and grow in your word. Stop drinking the milk, but desire the fullness of the word, the depth of the word, that the word become a living part of us. Father, I pray for this church, that it begins to fully comprehend the mission and the goals you have for it, and that people will be on board as your Holy Spirit directs. I thank you for this day and I thank you for this congregation and I thank you for the love that you give each and every one of us. For this I ask in Jesus' name and all the congregation said,
2: Amen. The love of God
3: is greater far than tongue or pin can ever tell it goes beyond the highest star And reaches to the lowest tail The guilty pair bound down with care God gave his son
0: time is just about up for this edition of truth to ponder hope that message was of a bit of help to you in your christian walk i think next week as we get into the programs and by the way you can if you only hear this on the weekend you can hear it online at our website truth the number two ponder.com we do this program every day of the week monday through friday with a weekend edition and many of you are hearing the weekend edition we're living in a very different time than any other time in my life. I can remember hardships. I can remember how I felt when I saw the Twin Towers in New York City fall to the ground. Yet today, I feel more of a, an angst, more of a concern, more of a something happening that we've never seen before. Look how fast things changed between December of 2019 and the 1st of April of 2020. Just three and a half months. How fast the world changed. And we're watching this move toward a different world. So many players have been pushing for decades for this global reset. A change in how we live. A change in how we buy a change in the things we're allowed to do, say. I mean, we're in a cancel culture now. The idea of free speech in the United States is becoming, well, it's an endangered species, just like the freedom of religion. I think the day is coming, and it's coming sooner than most of us would want to admit, far sooner than most of us would want to admit, that the United States, the Canada... The Great Britain, the Australia that we knew 50 years ago is on the verge of being gone forever if we don't act. Most important, we need to prepare. The idea of getting out of all this with no scathe, in other words, getting out unscathed, it's not going to happen. And we'll, I'll explain why next week. Why you cannot expect a rapture to save you from the world to come how we as Christians will find our way if we trust in God to get through it. If you believe in this ministry, which you consider supporting us as we enter the new month of August, our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, Sky Valley, Georgia, zip code 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.